are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Locate Commander Spock. Mr. Spock is located on the bridge. Computer, that can't be right. I am standing right here on the bridge, and I don't see any Spocks at all. Uh, Is there some sort of temporal anomaly? Is Spock wearing the camouflage spandex I got him three Hanukkahs past? Maybe if I look under... Spock, there you are. Yes. Hello, sir. Oh, Spock, you look absolutely miserable. What happened? Were you rewatching the J.J. Abrams real person fanfic about our lives? No, no, nothing like that. Though, if I were, I'd probably be more angry than sad. Hmm, that's true. I was, uh, I was just playing the video game Sky. Oh, and... no. But it was so beautiful. Oh, but you remember what happened when you played their first video game, Journey. You cried nonstop for a month. Well, I wouldn't say. You cried so much over your console that we had to get it repaired. Twice. Scotty was furious. Well, all feelings are valid. Yes, of course they are. I'm not saying... Oh, uh, uh, no, you're not going to... Uh. Okay, sit down, and here's this hanky. I'll start the show, and we'll talk this through, and maybe we can find some fun logic puzzles to distract you. I don't want to consider logical constructs. I want to sit with my feelings. Ugh, this is worse than your first pawn far. Nothing, nothing. Here we go. Hello, friends at home. I'm Justine Maston, LMFT, writer, educator, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Spock. Yes, but you're also Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, and the Spockian first officer. And you're just having a big feeling. Reminder to listeners at home that just because we're therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. that we were coming out of our um, our depression age. <laughs> I thought we were into our our villain age. Our villain age. Isn't that what everybody's doing now? They're in their villain era. 
They are. They are. They're listening to Taylor Swift and they're, they're all about like revenge. And I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, like Mazel, if that's, if that's your vibe, if that's what's working for you. Um, I certainly thought we were onto lighter and brighter things. And then though this setup, I think is good for what we're going to talk about today. I did literally start playing sky mm. and I played its final act last night with our producer, who's also my husband. And you know, like folks at home, if you haven't gone into the eye, maybe wait until you have, and then and then circle on back. Um, like the of way that, Sauron, <laughs> you know, there's some real homages to the Eye of Sauron. Okay. Um, the way this game is set up is that, like, with Journey, you are just like traveling through one land, mm-hmm. and in this one, there's several different lands that you can move through, and the final. And, like, you can choose your own adventure in what order you want to do them, yada, yada. But, like, the big bad land is called the Eye. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, Justine, that the Eye is where you die. And this isn't a euphemism. You, you, you literally die. And it's, it's meant to, like, symbolically sort of, like, walk you through the the spiritual experience of like death and like suffering and then ascension and then rebirth it it is extraordinary it's really really beautiful but it is also to quote one Werner Herzog <laughs> heartbreaking heartbreaking and so like literally all morning i've just been sad yeah and I've been like trying to figure out what what is the sadness. And I saw our mutual trainer this morning, Tyler. And Tyler was like, "Maybe it's because, yeah, yes." Oh, I did. I I thought that we were we were texting this morning as we often do, and you were talking yes. about how Tyler was trying to kill you. And I thought that you were dealing with the Doms and friends at home. If you are not a bro, let me explain <laughs> that Doms. Yes are mm-hmm. delayed onset muscle soreness that one experiences yes. from lifting heavy. But you, I, in fact, saw our tree-sized friend this morning. Yes, I saw our tree-sized friend this morning because he, in a move that like so many props and cheesy treats for him, um, which is a metaphor, dear listeners, I don't actually send him cheesy treats to northern Minnesota. No, um, he, would, uh, he would much rather have a donut. That's true. That's true. And donuts don't really travel well. No. No. Um, but at any rate, I digress. Um, he had to he had to cancel our session last week because he mm. needed to engage in some self-care. Mm-hmm. And I was like, good job, support you in that. And so we get to meet twice this week. So I literally saw him at 9 a.m. this morning. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was telling him that I was just like feeling sad. Mm-hmm. And he immediately, all of his manager parts kicked into high gear. And he was like, well, let's, let's problem solve this. He was like, what did you do this weekend? And I like, I saw a few friends. I had a friend from out of, out of town. And he was like, well, I'm not judging, but like, what did you and your friend do? <laughs> like, he, he's like, were you engaging in chemical use? Yes. Did you, did you in fact drink the alcohols? And I was like, Yes, we did. We had two drinks. Nothing wild. Nothing crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm in my now late thirties. 
I, I can make a smart choice. And he was like, well, you know, like any amount can like, you know, lead to more depression. And you're like, thank you. You're, you've been spending time with my best friend, haven't you? <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you. Thank you. I was like, I don't know if that's what this sadness is. Um, but, you know, I did the workout, felt a little better. And then afterwards, I had some time to meditate before it was time for us to record. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, oh, no, I know what this is. This is not the one and a half margaritas that I had on Saturday. This is engaging in a video game where I got to experience my own spiritual death. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very interesting. Um, I, I'm currently reading a book mm-hmm. about... Yes, you are. <laughs> the universe insisted that you buy. The universe insisted that I buy. Um, that it's about a cult. Yeah. Um, it, that is that is all about um, n- the Nietzschean idea of the death of God, but also that we, kind of our final ascension, is this mm-hmm. mystical act. Yes. And it just, mm-hmm. it, this feels like a real synchronicity. Yes. I think there's real synchronicity here. There was, as I was playing it last night, I was like, wow, I so wish I could share this experience with, mm-hmm. with you, Justine, my platonic life partner. As I was doing it though, and I was just like weep, just weeping, not an exaggeration. I just like wept. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder, would Justine actually like this? No. And right. And so like, this is, <laughs> no <laughs> no and like this is this is the you know we're like very slowly mm-hmm. but surely getting to our theme of today which is like you know like what do you do if someone you're really close to is a nerd but you're not but also i think you know a variation on that question is like what do you do when like you have a fandom or a story or a game or like some like cultural act that is so important to you and so impactful and so meaningful that you're mm-hmm. now going to spend the next month crying and by you i do mean me um and you des- you wish that you could share it mm-hmm. with this person who you love so much, but you know that person would not enjoy it in any way. Yeah. Well, and the the coin flip other side of that, which is when yes. you are the beloved partner. That's true. Yes. Who doesn't understand? No. and sometimes wants to yeah sometimes doesn't i this is reminding me my my beloved partner eli whom i've been with low these more than 20 years um (laughs) yeah um he he is uh i mean he's a nerd in his own way right he's an architectural engineer he's very much like a science and engineering math nerd, nerd. yeah um he's he's like a, a he's like a certain kind of athletic nerd i feel like he's all about like the cardio the distance yep yep he 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 really likes to challenge himself test himself he's got yeah. he asked me to send a picture of how many miles he needs to run today for his marathon training so he has it all laid out in his moleskin uh that's a notebook if you're not familiar i'm not talking about an actual scroll made of the skin of a mole uh, <laughs> no 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 Eli's a nerd but he's not that kind of a nerd no it's just a certain kind of notebook that Ernest mm-hmm. Hemingway was a big fan of yeah oh yeah him and mm-hmm. him and Ern. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ern was trying to, you know, count how many drinks he had and wean himself off alcoholistic tendencies. And Eli's marathoning. Yeah. He's like, how many miles do I need to run to stay on track? Um, But we have very much had to learn about each other's nerddom and figure out in what ways we fit in each other's nerddom and in what ways we're going to opt out. Um, One of my favorite memories was um, going to a midnight showing of Repo, a genetic opera. Oh, God. Is that Sam Raimi? Um, you know, I don't know who created it, but it's, uh, it's got our, uh, beloved Anthony Stewart head as the main character. Um, what is it called again? Remo, a genetic opera. Repo. Like the Repo Repo man. Um. Yeah. Gothic rock horror. uh Uh-huh. Directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I was I was so stoked to go see this at the midnight movie. I'd never uh-huh. seen it before. Um, uh-huh. Went with a, another nerd friend of ours, and it, friends at home. If you haven't seen it, I, I think it's worth watching. It's a it's about a dystopian future where we as humans have become so obsessed with body modification that we are constantly getting surgeries like for new kidneys or like Mm. to yeah and then if you don't pay off the new kidneys the repo man comes and takes them does he give you your old kidneys back or you just no you just die yeah okay okay it's very dark it sounds very dark also has a kick-ass uh like rock opera uh-huh. Yeah. No, situation happening. Uh-huh. But after this, I'm just I am delighted. I had a lovely time. The lights oh. come up. Eli turns to me and he says, "Of all the fucked up shit you've dragged me to, this is the most fucked up." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's where like there're many differences between Eli and I, but I can tell you right now just from looking at the poster. <laughs> That my reaction would have been far more along the lines of Eli's mm-hmm. than yours, but but continue the story. Yes. No, that I mean that that's the story. Like that, this is sometimes how we find the line, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, right. You ask your your beloved, be mm-hmm. they romantic, platonic, or both, to engage in a particular fandom with mm-hmm. you. They do it, and then it's over, and you turn to them, and they're like, I have never felt this awful. Right. And then, now you have some litmus toast that you can <laughs> nibble. Um, when your partner wants to do something in the future, you can say... Mm-hmm. On a scale of zero to repo the genetic opera, wow! What is this activity? Sure. Well, no, no. I do see that. Like, yeah. No, this is some. Re- this is a really good sort of like uh, barometer that Eli now has, mm-hmm. and you know intimately as well because you were there, bearing witness <laughs> to his reaction, and it can really help. You help him figure out: Would I enjoy this, or is this something I can even tolerate? Mm-hmm. Right, because we've discovered that there's some stuff we actually really overlap on, right? We both really like Bruce Campbell. 
we like true. we mm-hmm. like him for different reasons from different things. Sure. But we Absolutely. once went and saw Bruce Campbell in person. It was something we both enjoyed. And I was so fangirling, uh, which was something Eli had never seen. And he was very wow. confused by. Because um, we imagine. <laughs> you know, it was general seating. So we got there early. And he's like, do you want to sit up front? And I was like, oh, God, I can't be that close to him. And he was like, I don't. Genuinely don't understand. He would have been like, but this is like the good, like we can get close. We can be near. I had a similar thing happen recently with Brian because I'm a huge fan of Dessa, who's Mm -hmm. a like Minnesota rapper. And she came and she sang at this like small club that's like literally right around the corner from our apartment here in Chicago. Cool. And, uh, you know, there were like a couple things at play, not the least of which was like, this was my first show that I was going to since like being entirely indoors and quarantined for the first Mm. like couple of years of the pandemic. And so like my nervous system was like, oh my God. Yeah. All of these people so close to me. And Brian, who goes to music shows all of the damn time. And he not only goes, but he's like learned how to meet the people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like he once met Steve Aoki. I'm sure that means something. He is like he's a fairly like well known, more like closer to like the pop end of things, like EDM mm-hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. And Brian was just dancing. Brian is this way of like dancing, making an eye contact. And yeah, he Steve like invited him over after his set was done. They chatted. Steve is very famous for like not having his shirt on, had his shirt off the entire time. That sounds great. And of course, this Bruce Campbell story is many, many years old. I think if it were now, it'd be a very different thing. I'd be like, hey, I met your wife. She took my yoga class once. But you were young. But I was young then. And you were just like, I was not so so close to celebrity. No, (laughs) as I am now. As as you are now, we're like, now you're just like, no, we're just all like regular people. Just walking around and it's fine. But you were young then. I was overwhelmed. And Brian was like, we could meet her. Mm. And I was like, no. He was like, you could tell her about how, like, you're quoting her in your book. Because this is when we were writing yes. the Grease book. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, she's in there, one of her lyrics. And I was like, I couldn't possibly. And Brian was like, she'd love that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sure she would. Right. Because, I mean, I love when people come up to us and tell us how meaningful our work is. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why wouldn't other and people love that? And you're so good with them, Justine. Mm. You are, you just radiate like kindness and compassion and presence. You connect with them so beautifully. I'll watch the people walk away and they're like, wow, that was so great. Oh, that's nice. I never see them walk away. So that's, that's a good, um, that, that's some nice feedback. No, that they yeah, walk no, they away do. and they're like, that was a good interaction. Yeah. Lighter and brighter and feeling happy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're real. I'm just like so pulling us all these different directions. You, it's because you meeting. saw you saw Tyler this morning. That that's is true. that's a that's experience. <laughs> like when I met Jensen Ackles, I was like, it, "This is like looking into the sun." You know, it is. It is. I still. I don't think I could handle meeting Jensen Ackles. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be ready. No, I don't think there's any amount of celebrity desensitization that can prepare you for the beauty of that man's face. Yeah. Mm -mm. No. no. He's got a real presence. Yeah. Jared, maybe. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, especially because like, I feel like, you know, Jared really was like playing me in Supernatural. I'm sure many people feel that way. But mm-hmm. you know, I still feel that it's unique to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's the beauty. But anyway, it is. But Dessa. anyway, Dessa, well, I mean, like, that's the end of the Dessa story. I'm more curious, okay. like, how did you and Eli resolve this? Like, he was very confused. He was like, let's go. Let's be near him. Yeah, no, I was like, let's be like a third of the way up. Yes, that's into the crowd, Dessa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was delightful. We had a lovely time. I was, I, I fangirled the whole time. Um, it was when his, uh, his movie that was very meta. I think it's called Call Me Bruce or something. Um, oh yes, yeah. Okay. Vague recollections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very meta movie. Um, and he just did like a, a little intro and then a Q&A afterwards. And uh, it was very funny to see, again, this was a long, long time ago before I did the kind of like convention circuit and shit I do now, mm-hmm. um, where I was like, wow, some of these people are really a lot. <laughs> Did you use the word eager? Eager. Um, One I remember specifically was this, and I'm so sorry, if you, listener, are this human, Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, But they were like, hey, Bruce, last time we met, I gave you a mixtape. Did you listen to it? (laughs) Oh, sure. How did Bruce handle that? He's got a comeback for everything. Wow. That's right. He, um, someone gave him a picture and he threw a dollar at him and he was like, you're a professional artist now. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I remember this, the expediency with which Mm -hmm. he walked away when he was done. Like he was like, I'm done. Boundary set. (laughs) This is complete. Right, right. Because it's another facet of his performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't be performing all of the time. Mm-mm. No. And it, like he's got, he has a persona. This right. Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. is a persona. Like he's a, I know enough people who like have met him or know him in real life. And like, he's just a person. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, a, sort of. I would say sort of like me in that way, right? Like I have this bombastic part of myself mm-hmm. that is part of my persona. And also like it's part of my personality too. It's just not True. my personality all of the time. Like, Right. Well, mm-hmm. what this is actually reminding me of is I'm going through IFS level one training. Aha! IFS has entered the chat. Big IFS Dick Schwartz chat. energy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Be, be, D, I, no, I can't do it. I can't do acronyms. Um, what would be the acronym for that, Justine? I mean, the acronym would be BDE. And that's a, I mean, that's a thing that we could unpack at a later time. There's sure. there's a lot of conversation in the social zeitgeist about big dick that's energy. True. If we want to make it gentler, it could be BDSE. And it so sounds like we're going to say BDSM. Mm, it does. There's no... There's no non-sexy way to do this. So I'm just going to like get, I'm going to take the exit ramp and uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell the story, which is 
Someone at my most recent IFS level one training was like, Mm -hmm. IFS is so great because like you can use it as a therapist, but you can just use it as a person out in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that a couple of people in my cohort who are a little bit more vocal were like going back and forth on the Zoom about like, wow, isn't that amazing? It was on the Zoom friends because it's a virtual training. And then I definitely had a part that popped up and was like, hmm, I just don't know if it would be great to do that all the time. But I don't love like jumping in and chatting in large Zooms. It's just too much for my nervous system. Mm -hmm. So luckily, one of the trainers popped up and was like, she's like, you know, that's great. That's beautiful. It's another way to think about using this model. Mm -hmm. But she was like, and also, though, like, I really want you to think about, do you want to be present like that? as a therapist Mm -hmm. all the time no and even she was like even even if you try to like think of it as just like you know being a beacon of self energy Mm -hmm. which is so their lingo friends at homes and you know maybe we'll talk more about that today maybe we'll talk more about it later um the cliff notes is that central self who's like leading the way the stronger your central self is the more it can help another person access their own central Mm -hmm. self And she was like, you know, even if it's not like therapeutic, she's like, if you're really focusing on being that beacon, that's a lot of energy for you and other parts of your system. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do that constantly? And to your point, no. 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 Even if it's totally authentic, that's so much energy and presence. No. I mean, sometimes I just want to let the performer part of me perform. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. But like, you don't want to be that, you don't want to have that part of you sort of like driving the great ship of Justine constantly. No, I would be unbearable. I mean, <laughs> truly, I, you know, I'm reading this book about cults and, and friends at home, anytime Larissa or I are reading something that we feel is really resonant and that the other person yes. would appreciate, we send each other, well, I send screenshots because I read paper books and Larissa sends me whatever uh, ebooks do. Right. I usually like <laughs> copy paste this like long chunk of text. <laughs> so I would imagine there's a moment for you where you're like, wow, is Larissa really saying all this? And then you're like, no, 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 this is a quote. Okay, cool. No, I'm literally like, oh, look, a book. <laughs> But I can only imagine, like, if that if that bombastic part of me was just, like, driving the bus of my life all the time, and I'd be yeah. like, here's a quote from this cult book. Can you believe Nietzsche said this? Like, that would just be so much coming at you from your text messages. <laughs> it would be a lot. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. And I imagine it would be a lot for you, energetically. Right? It'd be hard to... It'd be hard to sit and read like that. Like, is that how I'm self-narrating? It's like the death of God. Yeah. It'd be hard to to, like sit at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm. we've, you know, we're meandering on and off the trail as we're wont to do, which is fine. Um, That's true. But I'm aware that we, like, accidentally meandered back onto the path, <laughs> which is, like, the, this way that you and I share what we're reading is, is a way that we have discovered that we can connect 
in whatever the fandom is that we're engaged in mm-hmm. um, in like small chunks that are palatable because like cults aren't really your thing. No, no. They're, like I have a more of an interest in them than I do in like the murder than the true crime. Yeah, mm-hmm. than the true crime. Yes, but like you're right. They're not. I wouldn't go out on my own mm-hmm. and dive deep into cults. But I appreciate the little sort of like bite-sized nuggets that you send me. Mm-hmm. Right, and especially the, uh, this particular cult that I'll probably talk about. Uh, some other time, um, mm-hmm. maybe on my other podcast, Dark Side of the Mat with Cat Rebar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, I especially am sending little nuggets because there's some stuff about Freud in there too. There's some stuff about psychoanalysis mm-hmm. and fascism. Two things I love. <laughs> Two things that you love because this this cult was in the, the 30s, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, oh, I, I bet Larissa would find this interesting. This little mm-hmm. nugget about how this this cult leader was in psychoanalysis. <laughs> yes. I, I bet she I would do. enjoy that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, this is making me think that, like, this is another way that I think if you have someone in your life where you're like, oh, they're, they so love this thing. Mm-hmm. They love cults. I don't love cults. But how can I connect with them on it? Mm-hmm. Um, being open to little bits that they share, having conversations about like how much is too much, how much is enough, and also having a real understanding of like what is and is not a call to action around the sharing. Mm-hmm. So like when you and I first started sending each other things, I don't remember if I just thought this or we talked about this, <laughs> but I do, I do remember that I definitely had to at some point say to myself and maybe even say to you, like, I'm just sending this to share. I don't expect you to do anything with this. Mm-hmm. Like, when we first started doing it, I remember I had a part that was like, oh, does Justine want me to, like, pull up a Google Doc so I can start writing down all of these quotes in preparation for a future writing project? The answer is no. 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 Not unless it is explicitly stated, which sometimes happens. Right. But then we, you know, we have a clear, Mm -hmm. honest conversation about it. But what's happening right now is just, like, you have a fun thing that you're loving and you're sharing it with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, dude, look, this psychoanalyst was in France at this time, and this psychoanalyst was in Russia at this time, and what are the odds that they maybe knew each other? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's dope. I hope the book kind of goes into that in more detail, because that <laughs> will tie into something that we are working on. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And you know, this like is making me think of something else, which is, even if you're not into cults, you can get very curious about, like, I'm always very curious about why you are into cults. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I see it as an opportunity to, like, understand you more. And, like, the reverse of that's coming to my mind. Like, we never ended up doing this podcast because I simply couldn't. I was too overwhelmed. But for a while, I was like, we're going to do a podcast on the land before time. Oh, yeah. That cartoon. And then I was like, and I you, I you had me watch it. I watched it. You watched it and you were like, this was such a miserable experience. <laughs> this was so sad. You, you were like, you were into such unique things as a child. 
Um, so often I'm the one saying that to you. This time you were like, oh my God, you were like, what the hell? How did, how did this happen? How did this happen? And you were like, at one point, I remember we were texting while you were watching and you were like, this is just so much Jewish diaspora with dinosaurs. <laughs> and it had never occurred to me. That was like really? totally in my shadow part oh, in the wow. Jungian sense that like, this was all about the Jewish diaspora. I'm going to start tearing up right now. It's all about like being separated from your family and like wanting to connect with your family again, right? I mm-hmm. had no idea. My conscious self and my conscious parts had no idea. As soon as you said that, I remember looking at that text and starting to weep. <laughs> because it was such a it was such a revelation that oh, of course, like this was underground for me. This is part of why this was so meaningful to mm-hmm. me as a little kid because we didn't talk about our Jewish ancestry at all mm-hmm. in my family. It was so obscured, but there was an emotional understanding of it that even as a little kid I had. And so to like see it mirrored back to me using dinosaurs, which I could understand. Mm-hmm. Like my, when I was, as I was growing up, my parents too, they would like talk about it because I was three when they took me to see it. Wow. God, they, and it was a different time. It was a different time. And I remember my dad being like, you know, I thought maybe like we would have to leave. But you just sat there in rapt attention through the whole film. That tapped into your... Mm-hmm. You, you dipped a spoon into... Into my collective... <laughs> in, not the collective, into my personal unconscious. And I was mm-hmm. like, what's happening in the spoon? And I remember as a kid, like sometimes I would be like, I really need to like... I think I would say it to myself as, I really want to feel something. And so I would go and I would take... I would take the VHS out and I would put it in and I would just sit there and cry by myself in the living room watching The Land Before Time. I'm having an experience right now hearing you talk about this because I did the same thing. Oh. Except that I didn't want to feel sad. Oh. What did you want to feel? I wanted to feel something. Sure. An ephemeral something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think lots of people can probably relate to this. Um, yeah. And like maybe you, friend at home, like Larissa, had a better sense of like what you wanted to feel. I didn't know what I wanted to feel. Mm-hmm. I, sitting with it now, I think I wanted to feel a, a, a closeness and a familiarity. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a kinship. Yeah. Um, cause, and I would just watch tapes over and over and over and over and over and over and over until I could recite them line by line by line by line. Um, and, yeah. you know, it, in that way, I, w- I was connected to this story and I was somewhere familiar. I was somewhere comfortable and I was surrounded by friends. Yeah. You were home in a very. Mm hmm. Yeah, I did that with Clue. Clue was one of those. It's a red herring. <laughs> flames, flames on the side of my face. <laughs> well, and you know, I think there's like so many ways that one could try and sort of in- interpret the why of this. Like, why mm-hmm. are we drawn to this as humans? Why do we make these things? But in a unique turn for me, I feel like on this podcast, I'm like, I don't know if I'm so 
concerned about the why of it all right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more interested in like the being with it that one of the things that like we're really all about as humans is connection and feeling. Mm -hmm. And being concerned about like the type of connecting and the type of feeling is something that like, as we grow, as we mature, we start to get more detailed about, but especially when we're like little humans, just be bopping around. Mm -hmm. We just want to engage. Yeah. And we want to feel the stuff and we want to be with other beings as we're feeling the stuff. Yeah. It's so funny as I'm thinking about it now, because some of the other stuff that I really engaged with a whole awful lot uh, mm-hmm. were sitcoms. And that's true. And they caused me such intense distress. Oh my God, me too. We've never talked about this, but I, I, oh. they oh. caused me such intense distress. And yet mm-hmm. I would watch them over and over and over and over again. I'd like, I, I'm better now, although there's some stuff I still don't like watching. Like, I never liked Friends. No. Oh, no. No, I find Friends incredibly uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Like, even thinking about it, my skin starts to crawl. And let me be clear, friends at home, if you're like, I love Friends, beautiful. That's great. Then then you you are able to (laughs) hold that in your nervous system. I can't. No. Wow, that's fascinating. No, me neither. Why do you think you can't? I, for me, it at least was a distress Mm. tolerance thing. It was so distressing. There, like, there were these themes of people lying to each other. Yeah, yeah. Keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. They're going to get caught. They do get caught. There has to be an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. I oh, I I didn't like the lying and the scheming and the not being so forthright. And mm-hmm. one of the shows I loved and also caused me so much emotional dysregulation was Growing Pains. Wait, is that the one with Kirk Cameron? It is the one with Kirk Cameron. I also loved Growing Pains. But, like, the Kirk Cameron character was forever painful. Like, getting in trouble or, like, skipping class and, like, he's going to get cut. And, And, like, I could feel – I can feel it viscerally in my body as I'm talking about it right now. Oh, God, me too. You know what's coming up for me is this realization that, like, when I was a kid watching that, I didn't know that it wasn't real. Mm. It was very confusing. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it was dinosaurs. Sure. You could make that separation. Knew, yes. I knew on an intuitive level, I was like, okay, this is different. This is story. I'm engaging with it. Like the feelings are real, but it's mm-hmm. it felt safe in a way that like it did not feel safe when Kirk Cameron was in trouble again. Cause I was like, his dad in the last episode talked about like it being enough and he might throw him out and what will happen. Mm-hmm. And his dad's a psychiatrist. That's right. He seems like he has a lot of power, but not a lot of self-awareness. Did I say it that way to myself? No, but I did say like, he has a lot of power and control. What will happen? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Also, he saw patients in his home. Different time. God, I forgot about that, but he sure did. 
He also had these like weird sort of like pseudo rugby sweaters he would wear when it was like <laughs> casual time. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Robin Thick. See that was? <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this uh, time jump to the 1980s. Because that's what's happened. Um, and here's the thing, friends. I'm not at all saying that, like, media or TV is bad. But I think I am saying that, like, we didn't back then, and I still don't think we really do right now, have an appreciation for, like, what it does to our nervous systems. And what it does to young, like, baby humans, toddler mm-hmm. humans, like, um, children's nervous systems. Yeah. Uh, I actually didn't have anything to say after that. No, I think it's just uh, sitting with, like, huh, and there it is. And again, friends at home, I'm super aware that, like, I'm not, we're not getting into the, like, neurobiology of it all right now today um yeah i keep checking in and i'm like do we want to and my answer is no and maybe this is really frustrating maybe there's a listener at home who's like but i want to i want to know the why of it all and to them to you i say mirror neurons mm-hmm. yeah just, use, just google those bad boys use ye old google machine look mm-hmm. up mirror neurons or if you don't already own the book starship therapies using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life I hear it's a pretty good book that explains mirror neurons. Um, And a host of other things, like why fandom and what fandom, based on like what struggle I'm having right now. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking of like, is my ability to sit with discomfort better now than when I was a kid? Which like, of course, yes. Sure. But also, like, I don't like the part of the story where where someone is wrongfully accused or, like... Accuse. Accuse. Or, you know, if we're hiding, like, a secret identity. Like, I just... Mm. I can't wait until everybody knows. Yeah, my version of that is I hate... Hated, still hate when people are going to be embarrassed. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's really hard. When they're going to be tricked and they don't know that they're going to be tricked and they think that they're going to like have some vulnerable sharing, but in fact, they're just like about to be made fun of in mm-hmm. front of whatever communal group they desperately want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Oh, every time it happened. And that was such a theme in teen movies, which is not like unique to the 90s, but certainly there it was. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I bore witness to that, I remember a part of me being like, I just want to save them. Yeah. Can't we just tell them? <laughs> and of course, we, we couldn't. We, can, we cannot. We cannot. Yeah. And so to tie this back to mm. if you love a nerd, or if you are a nerd who loves a Non-nerd. normie? Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even love that. But what I will say is like, if you love someone, if you're a nerd yourself, and you love someone who doesn't think of themselves as having a fandom because mm-hmm. everybody has a fandom that's also in our book right this like yeah. really trying to like destigmatize like everybody has a fandom it doesn't have to be star wars or star trek it could be that like you're really really into cooking yeah you read all the food blogs you know all the things maybe you're really really into 
uh, natural body modification, by which I mean lifting. Oh, yes. Maybe you paint yourself blue for every Cubs game. Cosplay. Cosplay, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe you're super into golf and you want to have the exact golf shoe that whoever is golfing right now wears. I don't know because I'm not a part of that fandom. (laughs) That was was excellent. Beautifully done. (laughs) The current sports star on the golf circuit, what he's wearing. I, I anyway, back either. to what you were saying. <laughs> um, oh, I was saying that th- this is perhaps something you could share, this visceral mm-hmm. experience that you had. You could share yeah. that and ask if and when your loved one has felt that. Because perhaps they have felt that visceral experience when Arnold Palmer couldn't sink his putt is that a real golfer (laughs) yes he's very old now but yes it's a real golfer all i know about arnold palmer's is that they're a drink they are a drink they're they're his drink Mm -hmm. okay okay and i was doing a move today with our giant tree man uh trainer and it was some sort of like arnold move oh you were doing the arnold yeah i was doing the arnold Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm 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 which friends at home is a is a it's a move that you do it's like a variation of a bicep curl mm-hmm. yeah yeah um well, that's right there's but anyway what well, you were saying is get curious with your partner about like what was the feeling that you felt mm-hmm. when you were engaging with like this particular fandom right because i mean uh eli has experienced some big feelings when his fandom attachment, the Penn State Nittany Lions, do not do yes. well. I have, in fact, been in your home a few times when, like, obviously you and I are doing other things, but he is engaging with his beloved sports team. Mm-hmm. And, like, Eli is a very his, – his vibe tends to be very chill. Exceptionally, almost too chill. <clears throat> One could say that, yes. Um, (laughs) So, like, it was really noticeable to me and my nervous system when all of a sudden from his, like, the area of the house that he was in, suddenly, like, the waves of feelings are spilling out the office door, making their way into the hallway. And I'm looking at you and you're like, yeah, I I don't think they're doing so. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. And like, you knew, like, you had a sense of like, when to go in and check, mm-hmm. like what to offer all these things, right? And like, you don't necessarily know the details of like the fan. You don't know what shoes they're wearing. Um, I mean, or maybe yeah, you do. I think they always wear Nikes, but that's irrelevant. But that that's just modernity and how they have co-opted <laughs> sports teams. Um. <laughs> Again, the villain is modernity. <laughs> It is, once again, with a capital M. Um, but you, it's not about the details of what's happening in mm-hmm. the game so much as, like, you know how that de- how those details are impacting your person. Mm-hmm. And you care about your person and you care about, like, what's happening for him emotionally. And you've learned how to support him in that. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of another one of my favorite stories. Um, mm-hmm. 
which is, you know, Eli and I were dating um, when Buffy the Vampire Slayer ended. Oh, wow. Um, and an experience. Yeah, but I'm actually going to talk about the end of season five when she leaps off of the tower. Oh, I have chills. I have chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she, and she dies. And this was in a time before, like, mm-hmm. the internet was very robust. Like, I didn't have an online community. No. To, like, right now, if something happens on Our Flag Means Death, I can go right over to the internet and be like, yo, do we think this person's actually dead? No, we don't. Cool. Right? <laughs> Right. You have a whole group of people to virtually connect with and and do some like real emotional processing with. But I didn't at the time. And I I knew that the WB was ending. So like the WB's done. Buffy's done. She's dead. It's not coming back. That's it. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. I had a big phantom attachment to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And when she died and I felt like she was dead, dead. Yeah. No, that's how I remember. I like it. That's how it felt. Like, I just was so sad. Yeah. It was terribly, awfully, horribly sad. And, um, and Eli and I were dating and he was like, why are you so sad? And I'm like, listen, this, this character in the show that's really important to me died. And I just feel really sad about it. And he was like, okay. And just kind of like sat with me and let me be sad. Oh. And didn't tell me, you know, that it was dumb or get over it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that, was, that was such a big deal in our forming yeah. an attachment with each other for me. Of course. That makes sense. Like, I, I don't think he even remembers this, to be honest. Just one of the many times his partner has cried over a fictional character. But for me, it was really impactful because it was, it was the first time for me yeah. that he'd been with me during a death. Yeah. And we're, if I were to go back and tell past me, I'd be like, this is a good indicator of how he's going to show up when, when people die IRL and they're going to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So this is good information. Hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and even though past you, or even though like future you couldn't go back in time and tell that to past you, mm-hmm. because for you emotionally, Buffy's death, it was monumental. Mm-hmm. So you you learned something profound about Eli and how he showed up for you. Mm-hmm. In a real sense, like, you didn't need future you to come and be like, hey, this is, look at this, what a big deal it is. Like, past you might have been like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm miserable right now. He doesn't understand Buffy at all. But here he sits next to me. Mm-hmm. Being with me while I'm sad. Mm-hmm. This is fucking huge. Future you or, like, present you might be like, wow, yeah. yes. Yes. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I thought that you didn't have... <laughs> 
thought you needed something from me, but I carry on. Yeah, I mean, you're just, you're so young past me. You're <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> Little baby. Mm-hmm. So was he. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the many wonderful aspects of story. That emotionally it is so very real. Mm-hmm. And we can learn so much about each other and our IRL, you know, in real life community through story and not just sharing story. Well, not like sharing story in the conventional sense of like, wow, we both really love this character, mm-hmm. but also in the sense of like, I really love this character and now she is gone. Can you hold space with me? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, the the flip is mm-hmm. Eli's really into his fantasy football team. Right. And sometimes they don't do well. And he's sad. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that the fighting Pomeranians team isn't doing well this season. We wanted to name the team the Mesopotamian Pomeranians, but there weren't enough characters yeah. available. Okay, that would have been great. The Mesopotamian. That's from Psych. I thought about I thought it was just from like, you know, like ancient history. <laughs> <clears throat> but Psych is great too. And what a beautiful example of like a fandom that you and Eli do share, which is just so precious to the both of you. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole Maston clan. Wow, I didn't realize the whole fam loved it. Oh yeah, the the siblings chat is oh is often awash in psych memes, and we gift each other pineapples. That's right, because they do love pineapples. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, you you until very recently thought that psych was about two psychologists who go out to I lunch. Did. I did. I thought it was a buddy comedy between two psychologists who go to lunch. And the and the end that like one of them something happens in like the pilot where one of them um gets some sort of like ESP. Wow. That's what I thought it was That's about. That's what you thought it was about. That's what I thought it was about. Mm-hmm. See, but you, not what it's about. you didn't have to actually know what Psych was about to respect that, uh, that it is important to me and, and it's a cultural touchstone in my adopted family. That's true, though there certainly have been moments where I would like find memes and send them to you, and I realized what I thought was happening in the meme was not, that's not what was happening in that Psych meme. <laughs> Like, there was one where, like, I don't know, like, the one dude is supporting the other one, and he's, like, sort of holding his head, and I was like, wow, there he is. He's having a psychic flash. (laughs) (laughs) No, what was happening? (laughs) Oh, that's so great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Proud of you. (laughs) That's right. That's that's from Psych. Um, It is. I thought, of course, they're proud of each other. They're working so hard as psychologists. And also (laughs) one of them is in the throes of dealing with this like amazing new power that he has. I mean, that sounds like a decent show we could make. I think it does. Yeah. Anybody interested? That's that's right. This pilot. We could call uh, it. That's not. We could call it psych. Psych and psychologist. Psychic psychologist. Psychic psych. Psych psychic. Um, you know, still time to workshop. Sidekicks. Um, Psych dicks. 
we'll keep our shopping. <laughs> oh man, that's beautiful. Um, in keeping with our new tradition in season six of like wrapping things up. Mm-hmm. Do we want to wrap now? And if so, what do we want the people to walk away with? Or do we want to like invite them to think about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm aware that I shared a lot of personal anecdotes, um, which is fine. I just want to check in and see if there were any additional anecdotes you wanted to share. I don't want to take up all the space. I mean, that's, that's be- what a beautiful check-in. And also it's coming up for me as like, I also shared personal anecdotes. I talked about Dessa. I talked about crying in my childhood. That's true. Um, I, I mean, it began with me and my personal anecdote about Sky. Mm, mm-hmm. Which truly, such a beautiful game. Wow. And it is- <laughs> I'm going to cry again. I might cry. I'm I'm laughing instead of crying. What is interesting though that I have realized, and I feel like I realize it in different ways as the years go by, is like there's definitely a part of me that's like, I wish that I could like share my love of sadness with you. But it's just not what you're looking for. In I'm, art. I mean almost you know? never. Almost never. Almost never. Almost never. There's like rare occasions mm-hmm. and I really appreciate and have such like genuine love for those moments. But like I, it is so true of me that if there's a piece of art that's sad, I'm like, bring me there. Bring me there immediately. Let's do it. Like I'll never forget that time, whatever episode it was where I casually was like, and you know, you know, like Brian and I are watching uh, scenes from a marriage. <laughs> And you were like, oh, my God. And I explained, we would like, we had this whole ritual. We made dinner. We opened a bottle of wine. We'd sit down. We would watch the episode. And then we would talk about it for like an hour and a half. Worst nightmare. Right. You would hate them. (laughs) I I don't want any of that. But I think this is a beautiful encapsulation of what we're talking about, which is, yeah, I respect that that is... You do. Important and meaningful for you. I'm glad that you have a partner who wants to engage mm-hmm. in that with you. Because I I won't. No, you would be very unhappy. What I will say for Sky though, friends, is that like part of what took me so off guard when I got to the eye and was like, oh my God, is that every other part of the game is whimsical fun. Like you collect candles to buy fun outfits, and then you put on your fun outfits, and you show all your friends in the game. And then you die. Well, you know, you, you, you live your life, and then it's time to ascend. Mm. Just like in the real world. Just like in the real world. And I just wasn't anticipating it to be that real worldy. Um, but that first half of the game, I don't know. Like, yeah, I could see you enjoying that part. Because you fly around with this little character. You get to put on like cool outfits. That sounds fun. I like outfits. Mm-hmm. It's very chill. It's very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it is the sort of game where like listeners at home, if you're like, I don't want to ascend right now. That sounds like too much. You don't have to. You can enjoy sky without ever going into the eye. Hmm. But if you do go into the eye, it is the kind of experience where it's weird to say, but it's like you you get practice being with death. 
cool. I mean, remember how we read how our second book, The Grieving Therapist, is all about the importance of being with death, Justine? And do you remember how that book was my idea? <laughs> yeah. And how we did that for months. <laughs> we would just sit down and be with death, and you were so miserable, and you would look at me and be like, Why am I so miserable? And I'd be like, Well, I get- here we are. I I cannot to this day believe that we did that, that I pushed for us to do that. Yeah. I mean, it was be- – I'm so grateful that you did. The book is wonderful, Friends at Home. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to be talking more about that in 2023 because it comes out in 2023. Mm-hmm. But, like, I have this, like, visceral memory of standing in my kitchen because you had just met with our editor. Mm-hmm like pitching the book and finalizing it. And you were texting me and you're like, it went so great. Like they're for sure going to take it. You were like, I'm so excited. And I remember just reading that and being like, and saying out loud to, I guess the oven. I was like, I don't know if Justine knows what it's going to be like to write this book. No, she didn't. Um, I, I mean, I am... I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate this because like I mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time with death. Like yes. at, even in my fandoms, right? Like I you do. I do a lot of true crime, cults. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of death. I repo the genetic opera. Supernatural. I I mean mm-hmm. name a fandom there's death. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just one aspect of it. Right. Right. There's this whole other story that's about the life. The death's only this piece. And I th- I think that's how I made it make sense to myself was, sure. you know, like, ah, the, yeah, it's about how we're grieving, but like how we're actually kind of killing it and doing it great. Right. It's, it is not. It is not. I think that's so beautiful. And I think it's that's beautiful self-knowledge, like really and truly. And it also, Friends at Home, really is another layer to understand. The first draft of the book, The Grieving Therapist, I cannot exa- – it, it's not an exaggeration that like we avoided grieving so hard. Yeah, we would read back through it and be like, we didn't mention grief once in this chapter. Not at once. Not a once. Like, we wrote the whole first draft. It was an ent- And, like, we wrote it, like, much sooner, um, this go-around mm-hmm. than we did with our first book. But then – and, like, that, I think it was really important. We had to, like, work through that and, like, get it out of our systems. Because mm-hmm. uh, then we went back, and so often we either were, like, jettisoning, giving it a Viking funeral, <laughs> the chapter, or we were just like, well, here's, here's like, a, a whole paragraph. That we're keeping. And then the rest were just rewrites because we had so – it was like we, we we did it on purpose. Clearly parts of us did. We mm-hmm. had so carefully and painstakingly avoided the grieving misery of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But in case you're worried that, like, the book is just, like, a bummer, it's super not. It is definitely about like grief and sadness and death, absolutely. But it's like fun and whimsical. It has these like amazing sort of like mindfulness, um, like meditations that are woven into each chapter. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And it was actually, and I just had to read through it all because proofing is very much my area. And so I just read through the entire thing like two weeks ago. And it was such a pleasant experience. Oh, I'm I'm so relieved. Yeah, it was such a pleasant experience. Like there were, of course, sad moments. There were moments where I was like, oh, wow, here we go. Um, but I reading it through, I was like, wow, how life affirming. Hmm. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get you a partner who can do the stuff that you can't do. We all have our own superpowers. That's right, friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, takeaways for today. I think that's the takeaway is that let's mm. let's not think of our beloved's different superpowers as being that they have no power or that their powers Mm -hmm. are opposed to us, but that they have powers that we can use together to fight in conjunction because, you know, we're, um, we're starting to think about our next book, which we're not going to talk about yet, Mm -mm. but Spoilers, it will be, the, the plan is that it will be a fiction, a work of fiction. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking just this morning how, like, I'm great at world building. Like, I love yeah. all the little details. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's my jam. I want Easter eggs and... Like, I want to make sure we have a comprehensive book of, of who is, like who this person is, what their traits are, how they connect to so-and-so. There, there's no plot holes. But that's not going to write a book. It's going to write parts of it, though. It will, but like, I need someone with superpowers of creating a plot. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, and be like, here's the conflict. Yeah, otherwise there's just a beautiful world with nothing Aww. happening. <laughs> And isn't in some ways, I feel like that speaks to our differences when it comes, like we have so much fandom overlap, but that does speak to like the way that I am drawn to, like, I am drawn to art that has like high intensity feeling and often means high intensity conflict. Mm -hmm. Whereas you are like some conflict, some feeling, but mostly fun, like lots of fun world stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I want to pause and see what books they put on the shelf in their library. I want to see what the prop department's been up to. Yeah, you, I just, maybe one day when you retire will be your time to really get into video games. Because there are some video games where, like, it's all about that. Mm. You just, like, wander around and there's, like, whole libraries of books. And some gamers, like, for, uh, it's not Dragon Age. What's the other one? The Elder Scrolls? I am going to be no help here. No, I know. It's going to come to me. Skyrim. Oh, sure. There we go. Duh. How could I forget? Um, I mean, I forget because, like, I've played Skyrim a bunch of times, but it's, like, not my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and s- Because it doesn't have a lot of, like, the plot. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're wandering around, you're doing things, you're writing your own fan fiction for your character in your head. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wander around Mm -hmm. and find stuff. I love finding stuff. 
Yeah, you find stuff, you talk to people, you can solve side quests, you can like be involved with the dragons, but you can also just like totally ignore that. You can nope out of the main storyline. <laughs> like if you're like, I interested. don't want drama and violence. Not interested. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go the. I'm gonna go to the apothecary. That's right. You can go to the mages college. Oh, I love learning. Mm-hmm. You too. You do love learning. It's one of your most favorite things. <laughs> um, okay, before we wrap up, really quick, um, and let's see, Brian, we're gonna we're gonna decide if we're gonna put this at the end or at the beginning, but I wanna give some genuine thanks and mad props to my colleague Quinn, because this podcast was actually born out of a conversation that I had with Quinn several months ago. Uh-huh. Um about like partnership and like what do you do when your partner is like really into a certain fandom but you're not and like mm-hmm. how do you understand them and she was like surely your podcast has an episode that deals with these questions larissa and i was like quinn no <laughs> <laughs> i see how that feels intuitive but we actually don't have one so no, i mean we thank you quinn we've maybe touched on it at some point but certainly it didn't have its own episode no, it certainly didn't. So uh, thank you, Quinn and Quinn's partner, for inspiring today's Aww. episode, the inaugural ep of 2023. Oh, thank you. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year, friends. Happy Nerd Year. Happy Nerd Year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. If folks are curious about what we talked about today, um, oh. we got a little bit of IFS, our internal fandom – I almost said internal fandom systems. That's ours. And we will, that, a story for another day, internal family systems is Dick Schwartz. Um, fandom attachment, fanfic, therapeutic fan fiction. Um, t- also talked about um, emotion regulation and dysregulation, mirror neurons. Yeah. And fandom, we talked about so many things. Um, we talked about Sky. We talked a little bit about Journey, Supernatural. Um, Buffy the Vampire the Slayer. Before Time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 1980s sitcoms. <laughs> so really, in some ways, this was like quite a throwback episode because I feel like in recent years, we've been like, we're focusing on this fandom. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we started the podcast, we would go all over the place. Mm-hmm. And this was more that kind of episode. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I feel like 2023 is going to be a a hodgepodge. Which always makes me think of porridge. Yeah. Which I love to say, but not to eat. I love saying the word porridge. Porridge. Peas, porridge hot. Peas, porridge cold. Peas, porridge in the pot, nine days old. That's how I learned to do a high English accent. Well, you still got it. All these years later. (laughs) How delightful. Okay. Um, And I'm going to put this out into the universe because I think if I actually say it, I will actually do it. Oh. In 2023, we are introducing every now and then a captain's log. Where? Oh, sure. Yes. Where I will simply log on and pontificate about something. Which would be great. <laughs> I I think people will love to hear you pontificate. Mm-hmm. And obviously, first officer could also have a log. That's true. And maybe I will. Um, though what that flashes me back to is the one time I had to do it by myself. And I it, it took me like half an hour to do three sentences because I was so nervous. 
And then the second time it was much better because I just talked about how much I loved um, the uh, one of the main creators of Marvel, Stanley. Right after he died, mm. so you know, you'll if you if you hear from the first officer friends, it'll probably be something with lots of emotion, and if you hear from the captain, <laughs> it'll probably be whimsical and fun and. Usually involving a convention appearance. Oh, sure. Or it'll be like, you know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Meatloaf. I hate it. Restaurants that use animals as their mascot when they serve those animals as dinner. It's just, it's so, it's adding real insult to injury. It really does grind my gears. <laughs> I know, it really does. It's so upsetting. I also really hate when it's like, this animal is trying to get this other animal to be eaten instead. <gasps> right like i mean chick-fil-a is very problematic on its own but their ads where they're like eat more chicken and it's the cows saying it like listen right. cows what are you doing they're not doing that well they're not doing that i'll take us anyway, out that was a bit you'll take us out take us out take us away it's interesting we were like justine doesn't want to hang in grimtown and then here we were here we in grimtown so now take us out we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. Give our best to Steve Aoki. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. Also, pick up our book, Starship Therapies, using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life, uh, wherever books are sold. And our new book, The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients When It Feels Like the End of the World, is available for pre-sale, and pre-sale sales really matter. So give yourself a future gift. You'll thank you. And as always, friends, live long and, and prosper. prosper. Hang on. No worries. I agree. Puppins! You need to be quiet. Mama working. I know I hear that other doggy. It's just saying hello. You don't have to respond. Do you use your autonomy?